Hi, I'm Sass. And I'm Mel. And you're listening to The Last Stretch, a sports podcast. Welcome to our latest episode of the show. Mel, it's good to be back in studio. Always fun. I feel like we keep skipping weeks and we, we apologize to our fans because we know that you are just craving for episodes, obviously. But we both work and have very busy it's, lives. It's, it's <laughs> tough. It's tough. So bear with us. This week, we had an awesome lady on our show. We had uh, Alexandra Pellerin, who does logistics and operations with the Canadiens, and she does operations at the Olympic Stadium. Um, I was always very fascinated by what she does because for the longest time, you and I, Mel, we both didn't really know what what she was doing. We just knew that she was a very focused, uh, an intense person who would be walking around on game day just taking care of everything. Yeah. I mean, I would just show up and everything I ever wanted was ready and prepared at the rink. Yeah. And Alex is the girl behind that. So um, she gave us a little bit of insight on what it takes to run events and, uh, you know, sort of make sure the logistics are prepared for any event, sporting event or cultural event. So it was a lot of good information. And yeah. I think it's important to sort of address that there are these people that run this stuff so that you, the fan, or myself, the player – don't have to think about it on our game day event day. We just enjoy it and execute exactly. our own jobs. Exactly. I mean, obviously, you know, we've been so far in our in our show, we've been really focusing on the trainers and, all, you know, all those individuals behind the athlete. But I think that there should be given there should be credit given to those who are there to manage the events and make sure that it all comes together, because without someone like Alex or without, you know, without that position, I'm not sure any of this would be able. to Yeah, happen. nothing, nothing would happen. Yeah. So. So enjoy this episode. Enjoy. Guys. Alexandra Pellerin, operations and logistics manager for Les Canadiennes and event operations and maintenance for the Olympic Stadium. So what is it exactly that you do again? <laughs> the <laughs> hardest question. <laughs> that's, that's all I heard. Thanks for coming on the show, Alex. We're really pumped to have you here. I know that you're a little nervous to be Thanks on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, but we're genuinely interested in, in what you do. Because for the longest time, it was like, if you needed a chair, talk to Alex. If you need a table, talk to Alex. If you need a new Zamboni or if something's broken in the stadium of whatever stadium, whether it's at one of our three arenas or I'm assuming at uh, the Olympic Stadium too, it was like, go to Alex. So we're just really fascinated by what it is exactly that you do. So I know that your titles are a little bit different with the Canadien and with what you do at the Olympic Stadium. So can you get into that maybe with what you do with uh, the hockey team and then what you do at the stadium? Uh, well, for Le Canadien, uh, well, I'm the operations and logistics manager. So it's two different things. Uh, it's a bit complicated to explain, like to give specific examples of what it is because it can be absolutely anything. Basically, uh, the operations will be uh, in charge of any f physical items uh, on a game day. So it can be furniture, floor setups, uh, signage, things like that. The logistics, on the other hand, is the how, when, by who, why. So the, logis the logistics will be kind of the brains and then the operations will be the arms. So Usually, uh, it's two different teams. On the Canadien, it's one team, one person. You are the team. <laughs> so you pretty much have to 
plan everything and yeah. then execute it yourself. So it can be, it's so hard. It can be one minute you can be repairing a bench in the player locker room at midnight uh, the day before a game. Uh, the other minute you can be running around because the coaches have a presentation and we're looking for the projector <laughs> while uh, talking on the phone with the visiting team that is completely lost in Montreal. <laughs> Uh, while talking on the radio with the venue because there's a leaking sink in the public bathroom. So it's really, it can be basically anything. Basically, your job is to make sure uh, that the players and the coaches and the GM can <clears throat> concentrate as much as they can on what's going on on the ice without having to uh, to be bothered or distracted by anything else going on oh your jacket all trades mm -hmm. i can attest that you do a very good job because mm. i just show up and i'm like oh perfect everything <laughs> i wanted was right here you, yeah, you guys have no idea what goes on in the background no. you just see us occasionally running you got yeah. a glimpse of us well just i was telling safia we were grabbing coffee and i was like i remember the first time like i saw alex she was just like this serious person running <laughs> around the ring Yeah, I was like, "What does this girl do?" First time I saw Alex was at Michel Normandin last year, and you're wearing your like navy blue suit, and you have like your walkie, and you have like the most intense face on. I'm like, "Is she with us? Do, are we? Are we on the same team?" <laughs> you look like a badass. I'll you say that. Are a total badass. So, um, and and what is it exactly that you do at the stadium? Uh, the stadium, it's uh, what's similar. I work for, I do operations, uh, but I represent the venues. So it's not technically my operations. Uh, we will be uh, the operations of the, the venue itself. So the actual stadium. So we'll come in support to the promoter that's there. And at the stadium, uh, it's such a massive venue uh, that operations and logistics are two different teams working very closely together, but it's still two different teams. And each team has, uh, it depends on the show, but it can go to 50, 60, 70 staff members just for operations or just for logistics. Yeah. So I don't have to do, I am not hands-on on the field. Uh, I will be more the person that will try uh, to uh, coordinate as as the best I can all the informations that the guys need downstairs to actually do the operations. So I'll be more of a coordinator uh, at the stadium. So you're kind of like a team lead delegating the different tasks that need to get completed? Exactly. We okay. have a lot of, uh, so I'll be, I'll, I'll sit, for example, I'll sit with the promoter and we'll try to plan his operational needs uh, as best as we can. And then my job will be to try and transmit these informations as, as, uh, as good as I can to the different uh, operation managers because we have a lot at the stadium. You have like a plumbing manager, you have a machinery uh, manager. So you need to, to try and plan it uh, with them so they can lead their teams properly on the field. This might be a dumb question, but could you give us an example of like what an operational need would be from like a promoter? A promoter could ask for, um, once again, it, it can be pretty much anything. Uh, let's say a monster spectacular will have very specific uh, vent needs for uh, customer safety. So we'll have a precise uh, ventilation schedule. Uh, for a Blue Jays game, then it will be uh, lighting for uh, the pitcher that we need to adjust because it blinds him, or ceremony lighting. Uh, it can be furniture, it can be machinery, it can be... It can be pretty much, uh, pretty much anything. Anything. Wow. Yeah. You really have to have like a good grasp on a lot of different things. Well, I have 
a lot of colleagues yeah, and, sure. uh, and staff members at the stadium so so we're a pretty good team now yeah. do you need to be like a specially trained like because you just mentioned the monster mash event is what is monster it called? spectacular <laughs> monster <laughs> mash monster <laughs> ma- no but uh, like uh obviously this venue can have like lots of different things what if there's like a pyrotechnics or anything like that do you have to be trained to like handle like what if somebody wants to bring in fireworks or that happens often well i, I am trained because i used to do operations for the just for last festival so okay uh so m- most of us are trained for uh as pyrotechnicians uh but in that case for example uh they would sit with us tell us exactly what they'll do uh, our job is we'll have to uh, bring in our uh prevention manager who will uh, manage the safety issues and then we'll have the what we call the uh operational control center that will then uh will plan with them ventilation for the uh pyrotechnicians uh there's a lot of, of people involved yeah wow. sounds so crazy. like we have a lot of people that are specialized in different things and my job is to make sure that all of them talk to each other and and plan their stuff right so really just coordinating basically so everything runs perfectly during the event that's exactly it all yes right. now what about i know we had the world cup um Two summers ago, Women's World Cup. Women's World Cup was in 2015, and the U20 was in 2014. Okay, yeah. So how do you run such a big event like that? And obviously, there's like a lot of moving parts as far as like crowd base and whatnot. How is that more difficult? You would say having a a week long, month long event versus just one big event on a single evening. It's very different. Uh, FIFA Women's World Cup was kind of like uh, Les Canadiens. You spend months and months planning the the season opener. And then once that is done, then it's kind of routine uh, okay. kicking in. So uh, FIFA Women's World Cup, we took about, I think it was 10 months to, to plan at the Olympic Stadium. Oh, my Stadium. God. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, and then once you're, you're set up, then it's just uh, routine management. So yeah. Just b- putting out fires as they get lit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How did you get uh, into this line of work? Like, what what brought you into this field? It was my very first job, actually. I think I was 15 or 16. I think the legal age of 16 must have been 16. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 16, 16. Uh, So at 16, I got a summer job at the Jazz Fest. I I had an ice cream cart, and uh, I didn't really think much of it. and my cart was, I think it was in St. Catherine, so it was in front of the main stage uh, at the time. And it was just a boring summer job to me. And then once the show started, I was I was overwhelmed by what I was seeing. And I was so proud of, in my head, I was legit part of this organization by selling ice cream. So I decided I would be the best ice cream seller there was. <laughs> and so yes. I got a promotion to the hot dog team after. Nice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And so I just you I got just, a meal. You went from dessert exactly. to exactly. <laughs> so I it was just my first job, and I fell in love with it. So I just kept doing events, and I've never done anything else. Well, no, I did try to have a normal sixteen-year-old job in a fast food restaurant for a couple months, but I was fired very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> we are still linked to food. Yes. <laughs> what What is it about it? Is it like the joy you see that brings people? Like, what was it like that first experience seeing? Like recognizing, oh my God, I really enjoy this because A, you're just a part of a big event, 
part of a team or is it just seeing people enjoying having a good time what do you think it is about this job that you I like? think that that's exactly it I mean I remember that first uh, adrenaline rush I got when I was selling that ice cream and I saw 100 I think it was 125,000 people screaming because the show was starting and it was it was just yeah it's that feeling and it can be 500 people or 40,000 like at the stadium and that feeling is is the same every time so yeah I think that's pretty much it that's cool I mean it is a special feeling when you're a part of something so big I think that's why people like sporting events in general or any kind of show it's just like a communal feeling everyone's vibing around the same thing so I could see that if that was a part of your everyday job that would get pretty addicting also I mean I it sounds like you're just like a problem solver that's your job is just solving problems every day is well, it that is your job I mean yes it, your well your job before the, the the show call or the game day is to make sure you uh, you eliminate as many problems as you can but then on a game day uh, your job is to manage the unexpected problems and try to solve them before it comes to the players or the GM or the coaches so like yeah. the Zamboni breaking that did happen once yes <laughs> we did how, I miss that how did it get fixed? <laughs> Uh, we actually broke it to broke it more <laughs> <laughs> to, <laughs> to fix it just to to be able to have a, a puck drop and then we had uh, one period to try and find another Zamboni on a Sunday but did we find another Zamboni <laughs> we did with the help of the city of Montreal we did find a backup Zamboni yes. shout out to the <laughs> city of Montreal yeah. see it contacts uh, one of our Canada's end games um, after warm-ups we get noticed that the Zamboni broke so now we're trying to wrap our hand around playing an entire game on the crappiest <laughs> ice ever. But apparently we potentially fixed the Zamboni for the first period. And then did they just drive another Zamboni from another rink downtown? Yes, down they the had a, a tow truck uh, come and bring another Zamboni. And during the period, we we made a quick uh, a quick change that we call. So, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so cool. Badass. Okay, what is, I, I'm curious, what is like the biggest sort of, problem you've had in, in sort of your career or one that you, you found the most challenging to fix or you're most proud to so, sort of fixing or solving or executing? Well, first, you're never really proud of fixing a problem because your job is to make sure there aren't any problems. But uh, I'd say on the Canadian side, I would say the Zamboni is pretty much the biggest one right now. Um, I did uh, have issues on uh, what was the first, the team's first uh, banner ceremony. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I didn't want to bring it yeah. up. I still can't sleep when I think about that. But <laughs> it was the first time ever that we were offering the team their collection cup uh, banners. And two of them actually stayed stuck to the ceiling. <laughs> I so, do remember that. Yes. Now. <laughs> and we had invited all the alumni. It was a big thing. We had a ceremony. It was very emotional for everyone. And then the banners just just yeah. stayed there. So Well, I had already forgotten. So... You could get it's some good. sleep at night. Like, <laughs> winning the cup is, I think, the more special thing. So I forgot about that banner. <laughs> so you're off the hood. So hard on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'd say on the Olympic uh, Stadium side, uh, it's actually really recent. It happened last year. Uh, we had uh, the Blue Jays annual baseball game, which is uh, usually a sold-out event. And a couple minutes, I'd say maybe half an hour before the opening ceremony, there was a major hydro uh, power outage in Oshlaga Mizonov. Oh. Uh, and so, but a full power outage. So the, the stadium went dark. 
wow. and the biodome and the planetarium and everything went dark and we had 30 minutes to actually make Figure it happen out. and and we did i think we started the ceremony a minute or two minutes late because uh, we have so many amazing teams uh that was but yeah we'll remember that one it was crazy yeah. <laughs> now do you get like so when a, something like this happens do you get kind of like in a zone of your like because some people are really bad under pressure um like I personally have always been last minute with most of my tasks because I feel like I work really well when I'm on the clock um so do do you find like let's say Zamboni breaks or power outage do you just like go super focused or is there a moment of panic where you're like oh my god can I do this or you just you're just like no, you actually panic afterwards. You do get in the zone, like you do not see anything, hear anything. You're just in a full blown solution mode. Uh, and then afterwards, once you get home and then uh, and sit on the couch, that's when the panic starts to come, and and you realize what could have happened if if you can find a solution. You know, so the panic comes after. Yeah. That's so cool. That's very interesting. I would be addicted with that feeling, I think. <laughs> it I, is addictive, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, it's one of those things where when you're in the zone and you're just like, yeah, I got it done. But then the moment you have five seconds to yourself, it all dawns on you. And then yeah. you start to, you're sitting and you're thinking about it and it's just like all that anxiety comes back. <laughs> well, like the banner ceremony, I uh, it was when I got home that I started being like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. And yeah. I, yeah. Well, we're all like because we know how hard you work and we know that you also have tendency to be very harsh on yourself and be very perfectionistic so we're like oh no 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 this is like it's not even the fact that the banners aren't rolling out it's like this is happening to you and we you're the last person we want this to happen to (laughs) like if it happened to me like i'd also like be dreading it but like you know I, I'd manage, but I know you. This it matters to you so much, and like, and that's what makes you so good at your job because you genuinely care. So, I know that whatever we say about the banners will not help <laughs> you sleep. At night. Honestly, I've forgotten. But, see, the I most important us, people forgot. I think for us is like we played a game after that, so I remember being like on the ice, being like, "Oh, it didn't go up. Oh, okay, whatever." And then yeah. puck drop. All right, let's play this game. <laughs> that's actually that's just it. That's just it. Like, oh, I did get the the game uh, the puck drop puck as a gift afterwards <laughs> as a <laughs> like don't MVP. worry yeah <laughs> so I remember it every day because that puck I, I I framed that puck to remember do you want to frame that puck like do you want to remember that well, why are you torturing yourself <laughs> well you you need to your operations and logistics your yeah. your job is to make sure problems don't occur that is and if they do then you need to re- to make sure they don't happen again so yeah that puck is kind of a reminder that. You Where in your strings, house is this the puck? Is it like right in front of your bed? Is that no, why you no, can't no, sleep? No, no. <laughs> Just a gentle reminder. Yeah. <laughs> every time you're having a great day, come home, see the puck. Hot dang it. I know that around the rink, I always see you building stuff. And I always see you doing different things. And I know that's like another passion of yours. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Well, it's, yeah, building is my therapy, but it so happens that I'm logistics and operations for Le Canadien, and we don't have big teams. So I will be super excited to plan a new bench for a player and then 
five minutes later, I realized that I had to build it myself. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, but that's that's things. There's always something to do, and you you have to do it. But I do enjoy it. It's it's very late nights. Uh, so that's what that's what I do in between game days. You take the opportunity to repair some things in the locker room. Uh, but yeah, it is like therapy. You get in your zone for about a couple of hours and you, you build things and then grab a hammer. Just like mm. Exactly. And <laughs> you will work uh, for a full week on, on a project and be exhausted. But then the player comes in the locker room, has a big smile on their face, say, say thank you. And that's that's enough for me. It makes yeah. it all worth it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anytime I'm frustrated, I just have to look at you guys and I'm like, OK, <laughs> I'm good. It's, so fine. Nice. it's so cheesy. It's so cheesy. But it's true. It yeah. is the truth. That's well, it pushes Alex. I guess I should. Sure. I could say thank you because I think sometimes as a player, you're welcome. Finally, but, <laughs> but as a player, like I forget that my job is so easy because you guys have executed your job. Like when I show up on game day and like my gear's just there, the locker room's clean. Like I walk outside, there's like a snack table. Like there's always the tape I need. Like and basically we could ask Alex for anything or other volunteers like you're like I need a very particular coffee with like so much sugars <laughs> like someone will probably get it for you um so thank you guys well it's actually good if you don't realize because that means we do our job exactly. really well because your job needs to be on the ice so we yeah. don't want you to be wondering where your equipments are or because mm-hmm. we want you to do your job but because you're so good and I don't see you guys I never get to say thank you <laughs> Well, that's why we're here today. You see, this whole thing was planned so that we get a thank you. <laughs> On to the next player. <laughs> uh, Alex, what would you say would be one of like the most memorable events that you've ever worked? Even if I'm sure there are multiple, but maybe there are a few. Um, uh, for sure, FIFA Women's World Cup is one of them. Uh, it, it was probably the, the biggest and the most prestigious uh, show I've ever done operations for. Uh, so for sure, that's that's one of them. Uh, yeah, there are so many of them. Uh, my first puck drop with the Canadian was was one of them. Uh, that's when I realized I was exactly where I wanted to be, and I told myself this is where I'm going to be in ten, fifteen years if I don't get fired by then. But <laughs> Absolutely, I <not>. highly <laughs> doubt that. <laughs> so yeah, these are probably two of the the biggest ones. Uh, yeah, and FIFA Women's World Cup was uh, the first time I actually worked in the stadium. That's when I absolutely fell in love with that venue. Uh, I did stay there afterwards to work for the venue. So yeah, it's probably the two most uh, memorable ones for me. So uh, at the stadium, like how often are there events? Um, is, is there always an event you're working on or is there sort of some downtime where you could sort of, I don't know, maintain... There are downtimes. They're very rare, though. Uh, the Phantom Stadium is really a myth. Uh, this stadium never, never sleeps. Uh, I think we have a we have a couple weeks in November where it's kind of slow, uh, but that's pretty much it. We have uh, in the spring we have the 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 big the major event season that we call. So it's a, a monster spectacular baseball everything. Uh, in the summer, we have L'Esplanade, who uh, is nonstop uh, hosting events. Um, and when everyone thinks that there's nothing going on, then there's usually a film production. There's usually corporate events. Uh, so, no, this venue absolutely never sleeps. Now, is it very, like, uh, every year, is it sort of the same sort of pattern? Or is, does it change a lot year on year? Because obviously there's, like, monster 
mash monster mash. <laughs> <laughs> like every year so um can you get sort of like in a yearly routine or is it very different every year as far as which events are taking place uh, we have some kind of routine uh like the outdoor show we know is uh, is a uh, from april to uh to september uh and then we have the major uh indoor events uh, which will be will start about around march uh they, it usually starts with the the impact opening uh, home opener um and when winter comes then it will usually be the uh expo season uh so house expos things like that and uh well the film productions it will pretty much be all year long yeah but we do have some kind of routine now like obviously there's like a lot of athletes that still train at the stadium and stuff and there's some in-house teams like diving um, now, let's say something goes wrong with the pool, or is that still under your umbrella? Since it's not like an event, but it's part of the building, is that going to be sort of your task? Let's say a diver comes, like the board's not springy anymore, the pool's <laughs> leaking. Uh, it won't be my task if it's not uh, during an event. It will be if if we had the the FINA uh, last year, so that would have been my task to to coordinate. Okay. Uh, but the the sports center has its own its own uh, team, uh, so in that case, it would be uh, directly to them. So the maintenance yeah. or whatever. exactly. What is it like working in such a giant building? Because I mean, obviously, you've been there for a long time. So any space, no matter how big it is, it, in your brain kind of shrinks it and makes it more efficient, like to navigate. But like for me, for example, the few times I've been working at the Olympic Stadium for like. Uh, MLS or whatever like I'm just constantly turning around in circles and for the impact home opener I kept running into you and be like where the hell am I going (laughs) so how is that for you it is huge but we have we have our own we have our way to to, to, like it took me I think two weeks to stop getting lost and stop calling my boss telling him I was (laughs) lost in the stadium Uh, basically for us not to get lost because it's symmetrical too so if you don't know the place you can think that you're on one side but you're actually on the other side uh, so we actually, uh, if you look up when you're in the stadium, all the, the concrete columns are numbered. And that's how we, we, we get around and not get lost. <laughs> I never thought of that, but that's so true. Yeah. Now, what if there's an event taking place outside the stadium? Um, this is not really an event, but there's always that like food truck it festival. Is it is one of our is big that... events of the summer. Yes. Yeah, so all the, the first food Fridays, trucks? yes. Oh, that's fire. Yeah. So how, how would you coordinate some, something like that? Do you just like... You get to park your food truck here. And I guess I'm really just curious how you manage crowds because obviously there's always safety concerns with start like a large group anywhere. So when it's outdoors and re- technically you could probably just fill the parking lot, is there like a, a number you had to adhere to? Uh, there's always, yes, depending on the square footage of, uh, the, the, of the event, then the prevention team, we have a prevention manager, uh, prevention team will give us the, the max capacity. And so we'll have to respect that. Well, actually the promoter will have to respect that. And then we'll have our logistics team, uh, that will be in charge of making sure that we don't go past that number and we'll manage the, the crowd. And we have like the logistics team is, uh, has logistics staff and also security agents so it's a pretty big team yeah between logistics and operations we've had this conversation i basically know the answer to all these questions because i interrogate you 
every practice <laughs> until 1 a.m. because we live at Pasbel <laughs> or Michelle Normandie. <laughs> but between logistics and operations, which one do you prefer? It's really hard to say. I'd say for most of the shows, both teams are in the same team or are managed by the same person. It, you can't separate them. At the stadium, oh, I can't answer that. <laughs> I can't. She just wants to work for Lee Cannon's and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in terms of like some of the tasks, because I know that, uh, for example, on our home opener, you had someone helping you out because we were at, uh, we're on the big ice at Place Bell where the Rocket plays. So do you doing that alone was just like ridiculous. Like it, it's a huge venue. And so I know that one, I think it was... Uh, which one were you doing? You were doing logistics? One is more like a customer service oriented. Yeah. Well, you uh, preferred like more. When we were uh, playing on the, the rocket ice, it was, yeah. it was uh, 99% logistics. Okay. Yes. It's okay. You don't have to pick I one. Can, I you can't can say what you like, like about both of them. Like at least well, you get a little bit of both worlds. Uh, on game days or, or show calls, uh, logistics is the best. Uh, logistics is what is, is most needed between operations and logistics. You need someone to... Uh, think ahead always be like 10 15 30 minutes ahead of everyone else to make sure that you you uh, take care of all any of any issues that the players could come across uh so the logistics uh on a game day is i think would be my choice uh it's just non-stop adrenaline every single minute of the day uh and between game days, then I prefer operations because you're really hands-on. You build things, you repair things, you move things. So it's a very, yeah, it's a very balanced. Uh, you at the end of game day is hilarious because all that adrenaline comes crashing down. And I can relate to that because mine does too. And then we're both just like zombies walking <laughs> yes. around. And all the players look so fresh because they just had all that like adrenaline and like dopamine. And a shower. Through. And a shower. And a shower. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you we, guys need a locker room is what you're we, saying? <laughs> basically. Hey, Alex, do you want to build no, us I'll a locker room? <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question. Um, is there one event that you like you know whether it's in a couple of years or just at some point in your career one event that you're like dying to work or that you'd love to be part of uh not to be cheesy but uh i really dream to still be with le canadien in in, in the future Ooh, uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> like i've had i've had offers from from other montreal teams but they couldn't work around the canadian season calendar so i had to politely decline oh my uh, god yeah so, but if, like, except for Le Canadien, I'd say I would be ready to retire if uh, I participated in the FIFA World Cup in 2026 under a brand new retractable Olympic stadium roof. Uh, and if I could participate in uh, the Canadian Olympic Committee logistics team, which is like the goal of any sports logistics yeah, person yeah well they'd be lucky to have you because you're a badass you're great at what you do and we're just so glad you came on and talked to us and no it wasn't boring alex it was amazing <laughs> i am riveted right now. i have one final question oh. i want to know what are the things you always have on you during an event because like what's imp what is like the most important like tool you're like i could always use a hammer i don't know <laughs> Well, your walkie-talkie you always have to of communicate. Of course, the walkie-talkie is 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 the main tool. Uh, but I'd say no. People are gonna laugh because they already players already laugh at me for that. <laughs> uh, considering you're running around everywhere and you can't you can't carry a, a whole lot of stuff, uh, 
event people have what we call a chest back <laughs> i love it you look That's like you're ready to like vest. i know jump in in any situation and go full mcgruber on everyone well that's actually what it does it will first it allows <laughs> yes. you to run with a radio without it pulling on your pants so this is that's that is so nice. true exactly okay. <laughs> i should get a radio because i can never contact you <laughs> Is that? We'll see about that's, that. That's literally, <laughs> yeah. Like, you, know, you just don't want me to contact it, it's not a. It's not a coincidence that media people are never on the radio. We we don't put them on the radio. <laughs> media people are never on the radio. Jeez. Be so like, I'd the, be your best friend on the radio. I'd be like, Alex, you want a grilled cheese? Yeah, I got you one. Jeez. But, she doesn't have time to eat. Yeah. So in that chest pack, then you fit your gum, your uh, game day schedule, your... A little cutter, your tie wraps, and some duct tape, and you're good to go. For, <laughs> All right, for so duct tape hours. and tie wraps, exactly, and a, a little knife. <laughs> <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> no, but you know, like I mean, duct tape is. Like, yeah. th- isn't that what fixed the Zamboni? You can you can do. <laughs> That's a- what I heard. <laughs> it's exactly a tie wrap, and we were good to go. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, you can do a whole show with tie wraps and duct tape. I want sure. you to have a YouTube channel just to be like, all the things you can fix with duct tape. Okay, wait, I actually thought of another question. <laughs> I swear it's the last one. Okay, now, like, let's say you have a, do you, like, document this stuff so you don't, like, repeat, like, okay, we we tried to do this, it didn't go well, this was the solution? Do you have, like, a documentation in a book, like a Bible for the future? A lot. Okay. Uh, a lot. Uh, but I will, on game days, it will be the floor plan and the game day minutes. Okay. And it's really, it's literally game day minutes. Every single minute you need to be somewhere or you have to do something. So we will start with a first uh, version of the game day minutes, and then I will note all the changes, all the issues we came we came across during the game, and I'll use that to make my next game day minute. So well, thank you so much for being on. It was very interesting because well, I didn't know there was that much work going on behind the scenes, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm Aaron Lakoff, host of Changing on the Fly, a brand new podcast on the Upford Network. Changing on the Fly is a podcast that dives deep into the intersections between hockey and social justice. We take on issues of sexism, racism, and homophobia on the ice. You'll hear from athletes, activists, fans, scholars, and even musicians who love hockey but want to keep the jerks out of the game. Think Colin Kaepernick or Serena Williams, but with skates and less teeth. It's your perfect antidote to Don Cherry and Coach's Corner. Hey, Don, what do you think of changing on the fly? Not the left-wing, pinkle media, bleeding hearts, guys. What are you, nuts? Anyways, you can find Changing on the Fly wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at changingontheflypodcast.wordpress.com. Hi, I'm Candace Pye, and I'm the host of Gal Chat, a weekly podcast where we give you our feminist takes on everything from sex and dating to politics and pop culture. It's a show that updates you on controversial headlines, dives into the latest movies and TV, and discusses things like Tinder troubles and Me Too struggles. I put out a new show every Tuesday with special guests, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on social media at Gal Chat Pod. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at saps underscore on the go, at Mel the Rock, and at 
Last Stretch Pod. Our theme music is by James Blonde. You can find their music at jamesblonde.ca. This show is produced and edited by Tom Zalot and I for the Upford Network. Find out about all of our great shows at upfordnetwork.com. Smell you later. Mm-hmm.